Hey everybody, this is Joshua Sharon of the Josh Cast. I'm your host. Today I want to actually talk about something that I've been trying to avoid for the past few months, if I can be honest. Um, Today I just want to reflect on how I've been feeling, how I've been doing and talk about grief. It was Sylvia Townsend Warner who said, total grief is like a minefield, not knowing when one will touch the tripwire. Um, there's another quote by Vicki Harrison. Grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm. Sometimes it is overwhelming. All we can do is learn to swim. For the past few months of this year, I have not been okay at all. It is easy to act like everything is fine in life. You know, we all walk around with metaphorical masks on our face and we try to hide behind a emotion, emojis and different feelings that we try to mask and lie to ourselves and to other people. When they ask us the simple question of how are you and you say, I'm good, I'm great, I'm doing wonderful. But if someone asked me that right now, how I'm doing, I would say I'm not doing well at all. Because I am at a place where I don't feel excited or happy. And just because I'm smiling on the outside does not mean I'm smiling on the inside. I know many of you are saying, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and, you know, I've been listening to a lot of sermons. Well, I've been posting some sermons on the podcast to really not deal with the issue that is in front of me called grief. I've been trying to shy away from talking a bit. I've been trying to avoid about talking about it. But honestly, I think it's time that I'm going to talk about this. And as I'm talking, some tears might shed, some anger might flow, some some relief might come. Who knows? But I'm going to share what's on my heart. I don't have any anything prepared. I'm just going to just talk from my heart and go from there. Well, in... Last year, 2021, I was coming back from a trip that I took to Waco, Texas to be with my mentor and also went to Los Angeles to just relax and enjoy the West Coast. Coming back off the plane, I had a bad flight. It was very, very long. Wasn't really feeling the best physically. My grandmother had a fall in the month of October and she fell in the kitchen and when she fell she scraped her head and she fell in the kitchen I had to pick her up we took her to the ER to get looked after to get her head uh then you know um, fixed up so she can you know feel better and things of that nature we had a caregiver with her, as long as I was also the caregiver. My Mercedes and I were helping her, feeding her, taking care of her, now that she was bedridden. Month of October, November, 
taking care of her as she was in the bed, you know, taking care of her, cleaning her, feeding her. I was just adjusting to my norm. Month of December, she wasn't really talking much. We wasn't really having much conversations, but she kept calling for different people. January comes and it is a different grandma. She's bedridden. She's, you know, discouraged. She's feeling hopeless and she's feeling very sad. I was still taking care of her. I was, you know, feeding her, treating her, feeding her, taking care of her, bathing her, clothing her every single day. The month of January comes and I'm still doing that. And I wanted to make sure that I took care of her the best way I knew how. February comes. I'm doing the same thing, taking care of her. She started to get bed sores from being in the bed for so long. I was helping with the bed sores, you know, making sure they were clean and, and fixing them. And it was very hard to see my grandmother like that because all my life she was a tough, strong, fighting, aggressive, go-getter kind of woman. And to see her go from that to now a weak, you know, small, you know, fearful and afraid older woman, it bothered me deeply. The week before she passed, we were talking and she said, Crash, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And I kept saying, no, we need you here. We need you here. And I didn't know that she was preparing me for that. She told me before, I want you to preach my eulogy. I want you to wear your grandfather's robe. And I kept listening to her say that. But I was like, she's just talking. You know, she's going to be fine. The weeks leading up to her death, um, she wasn't really talking much. She wasn't really talking much. I promise you that Friday, the couple of days before she passed, she was fine. She was talking a little bit. We were having a little bit of a conversation. And that was it. That Saturday, she didn't say much. That Sunday... We only had a few conversations that Sunday. That Sunday, we only had a few conversations. That Monday morning, I promise you, I don't remember, I don't forget what happened. That Monday morning, that Monday morning, I feed her her, her breakfast, and the doctor comes, or the doctor comes and says the heartbeat doesn't sound right. So what do you mean? So me being a caregiver or being emotional, I said, no, that's not true. She's fine. She's fine. We need to call the doctor. So I called my mom to come down and say, hey, you know, doctor says that she needs to have the ambulance called and blah, blah, blah. My mom says, no problem. Let's, you know, dress her. Let's get her ready for the for the um, ambulance. Before that, that day before that Sunday was an amazing day. Had an amazing day. Had an amazing night. Incredible night. But that Monday was rough. <sighs> Valentine's Day Monday. Uh, I clean her up. I put her clothes on her. And the doctors, I'm sorry, the ambulance, the EMTs walk inside the room. The sad part also about this story is that she also started growing high dementia. And it started getting kind of worse. So I'm picking her up 
And when I realized that, she kept looking up to the sky. She kept looking up to the ceiling, looking up to the ceiling. Remember pulling her into the chair, and the lady, I was gripping her arm because I really was, I really had a great relationship with Grandma. Like we were very close. And she says, "Sir, we have to. You have to let go. You have to let go." And I did not want to let go. Like I didn't want to let go of my hands off of my grandmother. And I remember I rolled her to the front, and we were going towards the door. I held her hands and said, Grandma, I love you so much. I kissed her on the cheek. I hugged her, kissed her on the cheek again. And then they rolled inside of the ambulance. That day, my mother tells me, clean up the house, make sure everything is fine, clean up her room. I changed her bed, changed the sheets, changed the covers and everything. I changed everything. And the room was completely empty. I remember I looked at the bed and it was during the day. I looked at the bed and it was empty. And I said, things will never be the same. That's all I was saying. I didn't think and I didn't have a big explanation. I just kept saying, things will never be the same. That Monday night was a hard night for me. Couldn't really sleep much. Trying to sleep. Couldn't really sleep. You know, I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to, you know, make sure I see her in the morning. Make sure we're good and everything like that. That Monday mor- that Tuesday morning, that Tuesday morning, my mom says to me that her heart stopped, but they brought her back and all this other stuff. I said, okay. I was in the bathroom preparing to get ready so we can go see her. But, you know, that's what, that's what I thought. I was going to see her and everything. My mom comes to the door and says, she passed, she didn't make it. My drop, my heart dropped and broke into a million pieces. My mind could not even think of anything to say. I didn't have any audible words to say out of my mouth. My brother and I are there. He's speechless, I'm speechless. I get ready, I finish getting ready, I throw my suit on, my shirt and tie. And I go inside the car. We're driving. I'm like, this cannot be real. Like, this is not happening. We go to the hospital. And we go up to see her. You know, even though she passed, we see her and we look at her. My mom is calm. My brother's calm. I was the last person to hold her and kiss her. I fall and starts crying. And I'm saying to myself, I try to avoid this. Because I've been a caregiver, I've been taking care of her, I've been spending time with what I've been doing. And I felt like, how could I let this happen? I feel like it was my fault. Sometimes I still think it's my fault. Crying, can't hardly say anything. I'm looking at her, touching her warm hand. And I mean, I'm just, I'm a mess. Can't even think straight. I go back inside the waiting room and make phone calls and tell them that she's passed. Everybody I call is screaming on the phone. Oh, my God. Are you serious? I can't believe this. Can't believe that. And I'm calling people on the phone. They're screaming and crying. And I'm like, this hurts. This is so painful. I'm calling people. I'm calling my best friend. He's like shocked. I'm calling other. I mean, I'm making phone calls. And I'm just, I'm feeling the heaviness Cause I'm like, I can't accept that this has happened. And 
Oh, God. Trying not to cry right now, but it's happening. So then... I'm trying to figure out what the heck am I... Like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say anything. After that, we go to the funeral home. The funeral home pick up a body. We're, we're, figuring, we're, 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 we're figuring out funeral plans and all that kind of stuff. Then my brother and I are talking inside of the funeral home chapel. And I'm like, you know, I want to... She wanted me to do her eulogy. And he's like preparing me like, hey, man, this is not an easy thing to do. He's just giving me some motivation. He's pumping me up. He's like, man, you know, but, you know, you're going to be strong. You're going to... He's helping me. That whole week... I'm just done for. I'm hurt. I'm in pain. Hurting. That night, went to dinner. Took an aspirin because my head was killing me. My blood pressure was high. My diabetes sugar was high, whatever. I just was sick. I was horrible. I should have went to the hospital. So I've been grieving and grieving that. Then, what do I have to do? I have to prepare to preach a eulogy. So not only am I grieving, I have to stand up and preach a eulogy as I'm grieving. Not an easy thing to do. Then, after going through that, that whole week, it's hard. Wake up that next morning, I'm crying, spending time with God, and God gives me the message for the service. I'm writing the message. I'm just praying, staying to myself, not really saying much, just hurt, running all that week, running for two weeks straight and doing eulogies. It's just horrible. The day, the days before the service, I'm preparing myself. I put the robe on. I'm just there. When I got up to do the eulogy for her service. I felt this heaviness, this heavy weight of burden on me. My throat was dry. I was drinking water. I couldn't hardly talk and stuff. I was trying my best because I was hoarse before I even preached. And all I could think was, Josh, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Like I had to, I could I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to fall. I said, I have to focus my mind to do this. I really was. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I thought that this grief was so much it was going to kill me. I get up to do the eulogy, and I'm trying my best, and I'm just in pain. I'm just, just over with. After I finish, I sit down and take a deep breath, and I'm just like, <sighs> still feeling that pain. We do the final viewing. I'm hugging people, saying hello to them, hugging them, saying 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 at the final viewing. After that. We closed the casket, which was a very hard thing to do. I go in the back and change, go in the back and change, get myself together. Then I go home. That next day, we do the burial. I was fine. I thought, you know, because my grandfather, when he passed, that, you know, I was going to fall out and cry. We did our final goodbyes. We took, you know, we was by the casket. We took pictures and everything. I didn't cry. And I for the, and for the life of me, I was like, why am I not crying? I kept asking myself, why am I not crying? Why am I not falling all over the floor? Why am I not screaming and crying? But I'm like, I don't understand this. That week was a hard, horrible week for me. Then that Sunday, I got into a bad argument with a family member. It didn't go well. That Monday, um, that Monday, 
everything was fine. That Tuesday, uh, when grandma service, Wednesday, Wednesday was, uh, I had a hard day, whatever. That then the week after the that, I got into an argument, whatever. And then a couple of days later, I have this bad dream. One day, I have this bad dream, and I'm telling people, you know, before the bad dream, you know, I don't need counseling. I'm good. I'm not going to accept that she passed. And I'm just grieving, and I'm just letting people, like, I'm going to fall into a deep depression and become an alcoholic or a drug addict. I'm going to lose a lot of weight and become skin and bones. I'm going to die soon. Like, I was just talking crazy. One day, I wake up. I'm having a bad dream. I wake up, and I go inside of the bathroom. And I go inside, use the bathroom, wash my hands, whatever. I look in the mirror, and I just say, Grandma. And I fall to the ground and scream, crying. I mean, I'm screaming, crying, spit, snot. I mean, just tears. I mean, I'm just all over the place, just crying and screaming, crying and screaming. And I'm just at a place where I'm like, oh, my God, this finally hit me. And... I'm calling my brother screaming and crying. I'm calling my godmother screaming. I'm calling my mother screaming. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm just a mess. And I didn't understand why now, but not before. And it's easy for people to act like everything is fine. It's easy for people to say, oh, you know, you're going to be okay. You know, she's in a better place. Like, I don't want to hear that. I want people to say, you know what? I know you're hurting. I know you're in pain. I know you're broken, but I'm here for you. And the sucky part about grief is that no one ever understands. And it's easy for me to try to act like, well, you know, I'm the pastor. I'm the preacher. I have to act like things is fine. But no, I'm not doing fine. I'm doing terrible. I didn't think after I preached her usually, I was like, I'm never going to preach again. I'm never going to do it. And that's what people fail to realize is that when you go through grief and hard moments, it seems as though you're in a long, big gaping hole and there's no way you can come out of it and that's how i've been feeling for the past few months and i've been doing sunday services preaching sunday services teaching bible study and doing things and i'm still trying to work through my grief but i'm hurt i'm in pain i feel like things are just not the same anymore it's hard because we both, my grandma and I, live together. It's hard for me to go inside her room. Those clothes that she will never wear. You know, she'll never, you know, come back and talk to me. She'll never, all of that is over. I don't have a good grandma to talk to anymore. She's gone. So that has bothered me. And I've tried, you know, to act like it doesn't, but it's affecting me. And I mean, it's even hard for me to even fit like, you know, I had a plan for a podcast series to do a theme or something. It was while she passed away. I stopped doing the series. I just say, you know what? I can't even do a podcast here. I haven't been able to even podcast because I'm grieving. And I wish that I was having some better days, but it seems as though every day it feels like it's raining. It feels like the clouds are gray all the time. There's raindrops everywhere. And there's no sunshine at all. Like, I even get tired of talking about how she passed away and and talking about grief because I'm like, I'm just that hurt. And I wish that I can feel better. But some days I'm like, man, like even tonight, before I even started recording, I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm up here 
feeling sad. And the sad part about grief is no one ever understand until it's them. And one thing I hate, one of the worst things I hate is an insensitive person who talks to me when I'm grieving, who says, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Well, let your your relatives be dead and you look at them in the casket, dead in the casket. Let's see how sunshine and smiles you are. So like some people told me, oh, yeah, you preach your grandma eulogy. Oh, you trying to preach everything. Let's see if you can get up and preach a eulogy after you had a relative die and, and be dead in front of you. And you had to touch their hands in the hospital and do that. How? Let's see how you how much you can get up and say. Because it's easy for us to judge people and say, oh, you shouldn't, you know, you know, you should try to keep yourself together. That's beautiful for you to say. But you've never grieved and went through hard grief. And this is not the only time I've, that I've grieved. 2020, I lost five friends. One from a car crash. One got murdered in, 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 in Los Angeles. One died from cancer. One died in Arizona. Then I even know if she, how she even died and all that. All I know is that she died and I was the last person to talk to. So don't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. I'm hurting. In America, everybody's hurting. But I'm hurting too. And even when people try to say, oh, you know, church people don't hurt. Now, let me tell you something. The most hurt people in church is the pastor. Why? Because we act like the pastor don't have no pain. No, he bleeds while he leads. He's he's also being bruised while he's trying to bless you. So don't tell me, oh, you know, how, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. You don't understand what I'm going through. And you'll never probably understand what I'm going through. And the best thing to do. When someone is grieving, it's to just pray for them. Be a support. Don't talk so much. That's the problem we have there. People, everybody want to give me advice. Don't give me advice. Let me have a day where I cry and I hurt and I bleed and I'm just messed up and I'm going to be fine. Let me have a day where I feel happy. Let me have a day where I feel sad. Don't castrate me and put me in an emotional prison and tell me what I'm supposed to do and not do. Who are you to tell me that? And I just want people to understand that grief is hard. It's not easy. There's no, there's no 12-step program how to get. I've gone through, I've grieved a lot of different things. I've grieved nine years ago when my grandfather died. I'm still grieving that. Now it's going to be a few months since grandma passed. I'm still grieving that. It's fresh. I grieve deaths that I went. And then listen, that's not the only time death happened. Then... Hold on a minute. My Aunt Lucille passes away. That's something I'm, I was grieving too. Then my cousin just passed away the other day. And then the week before that, my cousin Carolyn from Alabama passed. So don't tell me about, oh, you're going to be fine. No, some days I don't feel fine. There's some days I'm like, you know what, God? If you're going to take all of you, why not take me? If you're gonna, you see, I'm being honest tonight. I don't have time to be lying and acting like, oh, I'm just wonderful. I'm so great. No. I'm, I'm grieving so hard, I can't even sleep at night sometimes. Me and Melatonin have been best friends since this has happened. So let's not sit here and act like everything is fine. No, some days, I'm like, I'm hurting. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm bleeding. I'm feeling broken. I'm feeling destroyed. I feel like I've been broken into a million pieces, and all people can do is just sweep me up into the dustpan and throw me away. And there's some days I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's going to be some days I feel better. Maybe it's going to be some days I feel, you know, better than yesterday. But through all of that, I can say, I won't complain. I won't complain. I can complain, but I won't. 
I can talk about the times where I have tears in my eyes, where I'm by myself. You see, many people have what I call theory. Many people live life theoretical, where they assume or they have a theory. My life is testimonial. My life is I've been through a lot of different things, but I still trust God. Parents divorced when I was at the age of 12, but I still won't complain. Got diagnosed with diabetes in 2012, still won't complain. People have said all kind of matters, even disrespected me. I won't complain. Grandfather died. I won't complain. Church people at 144 threw stuff out and was mistreating us. I won't complain. I've been through much hurt. I've been through tons of hurt, even with church people, even good for nothing church who have turned my back on me and disrespected me. I still love Jesus, still love the church. Why? Because it's not about the, I don't attack the body of Christ. I don't attack the church or Jesus because 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 his children act up. And I want this. I want someone to understand that you see what we need today is full honesty, not make up lies, not filtered stuff. No, we need to tell the truth. We all have some pain. We all have some doubt. We all have some worry. But we can all move forward. How do we move forward? We take it one step at a time. We don't try to do it at every at all once. We take things one step at a time. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for listening. Please be on the lookout for new content. Please be on the lookout for new content. Definitely going to be bring out some new content over time. But uh, I want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please support. Please click the support button. And like we say on the Josh Cash, you'll receive a gift that lasts.